Next Level Church. Isn't this awesome? My name is Scott Drummond. I'm the pastoral care pastor, and I'm here today because Pastor Matt and Sarah, they're actually up in New Jersey with some dear church planter friends of ours, and they're celebrating the weekend. And then also, this is their 15th wedding anniversary, and so they're going to be in New York all week long. I encourage you to jump on their Facebook, post them a congratulations, and uh, it's just, we're so glad they're able to get away um, for a little time during this season. But for today, I'm looking around, and I'm looking at these decorations, and the guys up here were talking about how great things are. I love this, because I'll be honest with you, this helps me find some Christmas spirit ever since I moved um, to South Florida from Columbus, Ohio. It's been a little difficult for me this time of year. I mean, let me be clear. I don't miss the temperature changes. I just miss the color changes from being from Ohio, you know, the change of seasons. It was easier for me to kind of find my groove, and, and I'm, yeah, I'm the guy that's also... I'm putting on that, what is it, 93.7 or whatever. I'm all Christmas music all the time right now. I'm just, I'm trying to find it, but definitely coming in here today, it's helping me find my, my Christmas spirit. It's, it's fun. This, this helps me along. But it, it got me thinking, two years ago, um, my family and I, we flew up to um, my parents' home, the home I grew up in, in Ohio, and we flew up on Christmas Day. I don't know if you've ever traveled on Christmas Day in an airport, but it's a little different because you go to the airport and there's like 25% of the amount of people that are normally there. And it's just, you know, they're on the bare minimum of people that are working there. And you get on the airplane and, and you've got all the room in the world, which is cool. And we were flying north. And we had one layover and that was in Detroit, Michigan. And so we get off the plane, and there was a last-minute gate change, and, and it seemed like the people that were working there were a little bit off, and I wasn't sure what was going on. But of course, me being from Ohio, I just assumed it was because everyone from Michigan is weird. That's how I was trained. But only to realize that right before we were to get on our next flight, uh, I'm watching the little CNN news um, station, and it is saying... We just apprehended someone at the Detroit airport that was sneaking a bomb in their underwear. Yeah. I'm thinking, I'm at the Detroit airport. And you start looking around and you're questioning everybody that's got kind of... Anyway. <laughs> so we get on the plane. All things worked out for us. And we, we fly into Columbus, Ohio. And my dad meets us at the airport. And he's got these four big winter coats that he pulled out of storage, because once we moved to Florida, it was like, why bring those south? And so we put on these coats, and, and again, I'm the kind of guy that when I lived in Ohio, it was the kind of thing of, I, I hardly ever wore a winter coat. I was just used to the cold weather, and it was no big deal, but I put on the winter coat, and at that moment that you step outside of the airport, and you step into the parking garage at the Columbus airport, I had this ridiculous rude awakening that I wasn't in Columbus, Ohio, but I had flown to the Arctic Circle. It was absolutely ridiculous, and I'm starting to question every reason why I flew north for Christmas. And it's like, can't I just go back home? I wanted to go home for Christmas, and but yet the weird thing for us is this was the first time since I had moved to South Florida that I was going to my parents' home, too, so the home I grew up in. And so I had this tension all of a sudden. I I was between two homes. Where was home for me? And in fact, I want to talk about that tension just a little bit this morning. And that is to think in these terms, that as followers of Christ, heaven is our home. 
But yet we still live here on earth, and so for us, we've kind of got this duality of things going on here. But I want to look at a verse, and Jesus is talking here, and it comes out of the book of John. If you have your Bible, I would invite you to turn with me to John chapter 14. And I want to read six verses through this chapter. But Jesus is speaking here, and he starts to talk about this very thing. He says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. This is, he's referring to heaven here. If that were not so... Would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? What's he doing? He's going to prepare a place for us. Verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. And you know the way to the place where I'm going. And then Thomas, one of the disciples, said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we possibly know? In other words, he's saying, Jesus, quite honestly, you've never invited us over for Sunday brunch and I can't find you on Google Maps. How do you expect us to know where you're going? And then verse 6, Jesus answers and said, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. To think, Jesus has prepared a place for us a place that we can actually be with God, a place that, that is an e- eternal place with God. But then he draws a very clear dividing line saying, there's only one road to heaven. There's only one road to relationship with God, and that is through me. And I want to be just very clear here as we gather here today. Not all roads lead to heaven. Not all paths of faith get you to God. Jesus is saying, and this is, this is the center of the Christmas season and the Christmas message, that Jesus came to make the way that we could actually know God and to be with him. Now, when it, when it comes to heaven, and we start to think about this, I think a lot of us, we have our different ideas of what heaven is really like. Uh, sometimes we just kind of think it's this eternal retirement home. Um, I think other times we think in terms of it is, heaven's got to be... Re- really close to being like a Naples-gated community. I mean, you pull up, and what? There's pearly gates. I I don't even know what pearly gates are, but I'm pretty sure they have them in Naples. You picture roads with with gold cobblestone pavers. I know for a fact they have those in Naples. And you, you pull up in the guard gate. There's a guy by the name of Peter, and he's asking you, why should I let you in? And you're trying to name drop and say you've been good enough and this kind of thing. I mean, we, we picture heaven as this kind of suburb with all these mansions in it, and you just go pick your mansion. I, I'm not sure that's entirely correct. I'm not sure any of that's correct. But we do get a glimpse into what heaven actually is like, but not so much a description of the scenery as much as a description of the heart of heaven. And this is found in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verse 4. And this is, again, Jesus describing heaven. And he says this, he, referring to himself, will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He'll wipe away every tear from their eye, no more pain, no more suffering. Here's the reality for so many of us. Life can get hard. And so, yeah, I don't know if I care as much about the mansions in heaven Versus the fact of, I know that when I'm with God, everything is going to be okay. 
no more trouble, no more pain. And so ultimately, if we're going to have a definition of heaven, here it would be. Heaven is an eternal place with God. This is the place where God resides. And to think, he's invited us to be a part of this place. I, I have a, a grandmother that um, we called her Nana. Nana, uh, she actually died about three weeks ago. It, here's the thing. My Nana, she lived to be like 116 or something. And she lived a long, good life. She was a good Christian woman. This was not a sad home going for our family. I want to be very clear here. And, but when I think of my Nana, there's a couple things that stand out to me. Um, first of which is, is my Nana was like four foot tall. And so this is one thing when you're seven, but it's another thing when you're six two. And, and it was always weird for me of how do you hug Nana? You just, because Nana had that Nana hair that you put in the bag when it rains. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, so it's like, but Nana was like this tall. You hug her. She comes up to here. It's, it's awesome. Um, also, my Nana, she could cook like nobody's business. Maybe you have a grandma that could cook like nobody's business because they learned to cook when no one gave a rip about cholesterol. <laughs> and I remember my Nana lived in Cleveland, and we would go on trips to Cleveland to visit my Nana, and we'd come in, and the first thing I would do is when I get in the house, I'd say, Nana, can you make me a grilled cheese? She made the best grilled cheese on the planet. She would get like this government cheese, which I'm not even sure it was actual cheese, but it would come in a block this big, and she would get a government block of butter, and she would cut equal amounts of thick slices of cheese and thick slices of butter, and put that butter in a pan to where it's like a pool for your grilled cheese sandwich to swim in as it cooks. It's the most glorious thing in the world. Love it. And then, you know, I, the other thing about my Nana, and I can remember as, as long as I can remember, my Nana always would say, Scotty, I can't wait till I get to go see Jesus. Scotty, I just, I want to just be with Jesus in heaven. And I remember that as a boy, and I remember that months ago with my Nana just saying, I, I just want to be with Jesus. I just want to be with Jesus. And for her, it was as if she had this lifelong desire just to go to the place that God resides, just to be with him. And I'm thinking to myself that if I'm going to be gut level honest with everyone here today, I, I should have that same desire as Nana. But I'll be honest, if, if Jesus showed up right now and said, Scott, two options, you get to pick one. Either A, you get to go to heaven with me right now, or B, I'm going to give you 20 good, here, 20 good years here left on earth. What do you choose? This might sound like the most unspiritual answer ever, <laughs> but I'm kind of opting for the 20. Again, I know that we could zoom out, and what about my wife and kids? And yeah, maybe they'll be there in heaven with me, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I, I'm not quite ready yet. And... But here's the thing. I know that as long as we are here on earth, this isn't a matter of us just clocking time until maybe someday when we get to heaven. I am convinced that God actually has a bigger plan for you and for me in the time that we have here now. So yeah, it's good to know that there is a place prepared for us, a place that Jesus prepared for us, but there's also a job and a responsibility that we have here now. And as we look at that, I want us to look at... 
at, at what God's plan is for this. And to do so, we're going to go to another Bible verse, and this is found in the Gospel of Matthew. And it's also part of the Lord's Prayer. So many of you probably have this memorized. And it begins in chapter 6 and verse 9. It says this, and Jesus again is saying here, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then verse 10, your kingdom come. Let me pause there. Kingdom. That's the rule and the reign of Jesus Christ. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. In other words, you want God's agenda. And then where does he want it? On earth as it is, say it with me, in heaven. So what's going on here? You've got Jesus instructing people to pray. And he's saying, pray in this well. Pray in this way. I want you to ask that the rule and the reign of God and his agenda would be here on earth as it is, where? In heaven. All of a sudden, we're starting to see that God's agenda for us in this time that we have here on earth is to bring parts of heaven here to earth now. So it's not just us clocking time here on earth, but it's actually to bring parts of heaven here to earth now. Now, here's the deal. This does not mean that earth eventually turns into heaven. That's not, no, that's not scriptural. But it also doesn't mean that we don't do anything until we get to heaven. It does mean that because we're here, God has a plan. And he wants to use us within this plan to bring parts of heaven here to earth now. Now, the best way we can see what our role is within this is to look at the life of Christ. And there's a passage that Jesus himself is standing in front of, of, of a gathering of religious leaders, and he's reading a, a prophecy out of the book of Isaiah. It's a book in the Old Testament written thousands of years before. And he's saying, I am the fulfillment of this prophecy. In other words, Jesus was actually reading what I would consider his mission statement of why he was here on earth. But here's the cool part. This wasn't just the mission statement that Jesus lived by. I believe that this was also the mission given to us after Jesus left. So this wasn't just something that this was for Jesus only, but this is for you and for me. This is our role that we are to fill while, we're here, while we are here still on earth. Now look at Luke chapter 4, verse 18. This is the first part of, of the verse here. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. This sounds a little bit, if you don't know what's going on here, like a publisher's clearinghouse kind of thing. Like Jesus showing up to the door, knocking on a poor person's house, saying, hey, surprise, here's a check for a million dollars. Good news. Not the case. No, he's saying, what is the good news? The good news is that God sent his son to live a perfect life, to become a perfect sacrifice for you and for me and imperfect people. The good news is that we can actually have a personal relationship with God. This is the Christmas message, the good news. Now, here's the other thing. This is now our role to fill too. Not just Jesus saying, um, the Spirit is Lord upon me, but I would, I would say the verse is now like this for us. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us because he has anointed us to proclaim good news to the poor. It is now our responsibility to continue to share this good news. This is a, uh, one of those ways that we start to bring heaven to earth. Well, let's keep going. Look at the, uh, the next part of verse 18. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. 
He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Jesus is not talking about going into jail cells here. What he's talking about this is that everybody has sins that have held them back, mistakes that have held them back. Everybody has a past. You've got a past, I've got a past. And for so many of us, our past is full of of things that we wish we could undo, unsay, circumstances we wish we could go back and change. We wish we could rewrite portions of our life or just forget about them completely. And for so many people, their past has held them the same as a jail cell would hold a person. And you know what? There might even be people in here today that it feels like your life has been in bondage. And here's the thing, to think that the mission of Christ was so that he would come to swing open the jail cell and to declare over you, you are free. And I'm just thinking about it this way. This is also the very mission that God has put in front of us. To think that you and I can actually encounter people and declare freedom over them. To participate in the very work of Christ and to say, you're free. You're free from your past. You're free from those things that have held you back. No longer will you find yourself in that jail cell of life, but you can actually be free. But then it goes on there, as if this wasn't enough. The continuing of verse 18, Jesus says, And I come to give recovery of sight to the blind. Certainly we see in the story of Jesus that he healed literal blind people and lame people and deaf people and people with diseases and even raised people from the dead. And to think that God also wants to equip us and empower us to be a part of even supernatural things like that. The point is, this is now our mission. There's also a very spiritual component to this of opening people's eyes that they could see maybe for the first time the truth of God, that that truth can ultimately set them free. This is what God has called us to. But then it culminates in this last part of verse 18 and verse 19, where Jesus says, I came to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I love this phrase, to set the oppressed free. Let 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 me put this as simply as I can. The world is full of hurting people. Now, let me, let me change that. There's a good chance that this room is full of hurting people. There's a good chance that there's so many of you in this room that, quite honestly, you're struggling with depression. You're overwhelmed with life. You live with hurt and regret and pain. Life is a struggle. And quite honestly, it may have taken everything for you just to come to church today. Because in the middle of all the lights and all the the songs, for you, maybe Christmas is not merry. And the holidays are anything but happy. Maybe this has been a, a year of grieving for you. And it's hard. And you barely made it in here today. But I want, I, want to, I want to do something today. Because I'm convinced that this passage, this mission of Jesus, of bringing parts of heaven here to earth right now, I'm convinced it's for you. 
I'm convinced you're the reason why he came. And quite honestly, I just, I want to pray. I want to stop in the middle of this message and I want to pray for you because your world right now is overwhelmed. And some of you haven't figured out how you're going to make it through today. But my prayer, my prayer over you is that you would find the fulfillment of this passage that Jesus really did come to set the oppressed free once and for all. Can I pray for you? Even right now, let's pray. God, we need you. We need your help. We need you to move. And I'm inviting you, Lord, to come in a way that fulfills your mission. You you came to, to proclaim freedom to the captives. And God, there are people that live in a, in a virtual jail cell here today because of their past. God, I, I pray you swing open that jail door that they can know they can walk out in freedom. That even when they walk out of this building this morning, they can know they are walking in freedom, maybe for the first time in their life. And God, for those that, that are oppressed, maybe this year has been an absolute horrible year and they've been grieving. God, I am praying for a supernatural healing now over the hearts of these people. Set the oppressed free. Do, God, what only you can do. Move in the lives of us. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The, uh, the mission of Christ was to bring access to heaven and portions of heaven here now. And it's our mission too. Here's the cool thing that happens though. When we, when we do this, when we are a part of bringing portions of heaven here now, it, it has an effect that it starts to grow and to grow and to grow. The The Bible talks about it this way. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 33, it says, he told them, still another parable, Jesus is speaking, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Some of you might be thinking, is Jesus really giving us a baking recipe right here? No, track with me. Um, What he's doing is he's giving us an illustration. And the best way that I can... I can think of it is in these terms of um, my wife loves to bake. Thank you. For, for those of you that may have followed my wife on Facebook, she has this, she loves to take pictures of what she's baking with the intention of making the world jealous is usually what happens. But, but if you are, are one of the the lucky beneficiaries of either working with my wife or working with me, then on a regular occasion, her treats and goodies make their way into our offices. And so we, we get to be a part of, of her, her fresh cookies and her fresh bread and her warm cinnamon rolls that come out of the oven on a Saturday morning 
and with the icing that just floats down the side because they're too warm for it to... I'm sorry, what was I talking about? It's, it's glorious. But here, no, catch the, the Bible's saying a little yeast will affect a whole batch, and a whole batch of cinnamon rolls will affect the whole office. Um, I, I think I just made my wife's cinnamon rolls into the part of bringing the kingdom of heaven here now. It's, it's actually accurate. It's completely biblically accurate. I've got that. No, but when we bring parts of heaven here now, it grows. It grows in the lives of individuals. It grows in the lives of families. It grows in the lives of us corporately. But here's the thing. When we engage in the mission that Christ engaged in, to come and proclaim the good news to the poor, to set the, the, the captives free, to bring sight to the blind, and to declare the freedom over the oppression, and to declare the, the favorable year of the Lord. The point is, when we do this for people and impart good things and we pray for people, it can be like a little seed implanted in someone's life that grows and grows and grows. It can change their entire life. This is what the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is all about. And this is why we've got to participate. Even if it seems like it's, it's so small and so minuscule, what do I do? It doesn't seem like it's that big at all. It doesn't matter because something small can grow into something huge. But I, I know that, that here this morning, there's a good chance that there is a couple, there's a couple pessimists that might be in the group today. You know, the glasses half empty kind of people. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands because you wouldn't do it anyway. You're that kind of person. But you might be in here today and you're thinking, Scott, here's the deal. I, I know the Bible. I know how the story ends. And the story ends with the world getting a lot worse than what it is. So what's the point? Why bother if it's not going to last anyway? Well, I, I started thinking about a story where Jesus had a friend by the name of Lazarus. And word got to Jesus that Lazarus had died. And so Jesus makes a journey, and, and four days after the death of Lazarus, Jesus comes on the scene, and he comes up to the body of Lazarus, and he prays. And Lazarus, miraculously, is raised from the dead. And we could stand and say, what's, what's the point? Because at some point, whether it's the next day or 10 years or 50 years later, Lazarus eventually dies again. And it's not like Jesus is going to come back then and raise him from the dead. And it's not like Jesus is running around and raising everybody from the dead. And, and no one ever dies. And it's the thing. But, but apparently Jesus knew something. And this is so important that I want us to grab a hold of today. Apparently Jesus knew that the point was simply this. That today matters. It mattered for Lazarus that day. It made all the difference that day. No, I can't figure out what's going to happen tomorrow or the next day, but I know that today matters. Because today, here's the point, there is hurting, there is a hurting person that works in the next cubicle from you. Because today, your neighbor's marriage is struggling. Because today, your student is sick. Because today, your sister is fighting for survival. Because today, your child is discouraged and overwhelmed with life. And so let us do what we are here to do. Let us go as representatives of Christ. Let us walk confidently in the fact that God has empowered us for this.
This is the point of Christmas. That we can actually take a gift to bring a bit of heaven here to earth now. So what do we do? What am I asking you to do? I'm asking you to go encourage someone today. I'm asking that you go pray for someone today, even if you've never done it before. I'm asking that you go sit with someone that is discouraged today, that you go share Christ with someone today. There's a good chance that even in this moment, there's, there's a person you're already thinking of that needs a touch from God. They need a piece of heaven in their world today. And what I'm saying for you is be that person, be that agent, be that conduit that brings it to them. This is the very reason why Jesus came. This was his mission, but this is also our mission. His kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God will use you today. This year, I'm not traveling anywhere for Christmas. I will, I will be home for Christmas. And I was thinking also that my Nana also gets her wish. She is home for Christmas. Yep, heaven, heaven is our home. But let's not just wait until we get there. Let's be a part of bringing some heaven here today. Let's pray. God, I am so thankful that you have prepared a place for us that as followers of you and believers in Christ, that there is an eternal reward and that heaven is our home. But God, at this point in my life, I am so thankful that you have not just waited for us to get to heaven, but you have made it possible that there can be parts of heaven here now. And I'm asking God that you would use us, use us in this process, anoint us for this very reason. As we're with our families this season and as we're gathering with friends and and seeing people that need a piece of heaven, I'm asking you to use us. Use us to bring hope, use us to bring peace, use us to bring healing, use us to declare freedom. And for this, we thank you, Lord. We thank you that today matters and that you'll use us today. And God, I pray over every single person here that you would use them. Use them to bring a piece of heaven here today for someone else. And this I pray in Jesus' name.
Amen.